Good morning. I'm going to just shuffle this a little bit before I get going. I just spilled water, holy water on my Bible. It's good. Uh, Good morning. I have uh, just greetings from Bobby's in um, Dallas, Texas, speaking at a church that is uh, related to Sandy Minor. Are you here, Sandy? Yeah, I think she was traveling today. But um, anyway, they, um, yeah, he's there. And I also want to shout out, Pete, that was um, an amazing message last week. If you didn't hear the the message, you need to uh, rehear that or hear that on the on our website because um, starting with the incarnation, the physical, the corporal, messy part of Jesus with us and walking that out, and that is uh, that was a beautiful message last week. I so amazingly loved, and I don't know how many of you mostly remember what he and Tamar talked about before the message. Anybody remember that little bit that was part of the message about how don't read scriptures with a lot of, I thought that was hilarious just because that's how marriages work. You know, you, you, you sharpen each other, right? Iron sharpening iron. And it was good because he read. Now I'm going to have the, <laughs> the ability hopefully to do the same thing be able to read without uh, doing tons of commentary because we have a lot of scriptures to read. I do want to also shout out to, because um, we're going to incorporate a little bit of art in this, uh, in these PowerPoints, but if you happen to notice on your way out, some of the, there's three pieces of art out there done by a local artist, friends of our family, uh, Scott Erickson. And so they're also in several of his books, but especially this one that he I think it's two years old now, but it's called Honest Advent by Scott Erickson. And I, I really recommend it. It's about a little bit about what Pete talked about last week, a little bit about what we're talking about all month with this season of Advent, which you guys know what that is. It's those four weeks right up to Christmas. And being a, a little Catholic girl that went to uh, many, many masses, we knew all about it uh, because we knew all those fancy words, Advent, Annunciation, I'm going to talk about that, Uh, you know, Immaculate Conception, those words that often get misquoted, but I'm hopefully going to straighten some of that out today. But anyway, uh, just the art in the lobby, there's three pieces of his art, and this one on the cover is um, a picture of Mary pregnant. And Mary is Mary and Elizabeth are our key story players because today we're going to talk about um, the topic is the supernatural, which is a beautiful part of what we were actually doing this morning, talking about forgiveness, talking about um, just worshiping Jesus, being forgiven of sins. Uh, moving ahead in life with the Lord. These are actually supernatural occurrences, and without the supernatural, none of this happens. But uh, I want to just start out with a tale of two cousins, because those are our two key players today. And cousin relationship is something I've been observing a lot. And yes, a lot because I have a ton of grandkids, as you may know, 
and they are very funny to watch, but especially if you watch the cousin relationships. And those of you that watch cousin, or maybe you had a cousin, but we just happen to have all these cousins together, and a couple things happen. You know, they're starting to bounce off the wall. We had, you know, 13 in one house and trying to keep them busy. We just, like, let's just take them to Chick-fil-A and, like, just let them destroy the place for a while, and then we'll go back home. But things like that, you have to, like, manage with large groups of small children of various ages. But we were noticing a little bit of interaction with two cousins. One was kind of trying to kiss the other one, like, more than several times. So we had to, like, sit him down and, like, okay, you, seven-year-old, may not chase around your six-year-old cousin and try to, you know, plant a kiss on her. She's not into it. So a lot of things happen with cousins, I'm just saying. And funny things, like, we played at, at Chick-fil-A, we played telephone, uh, which is like the game where you whisper something in someone's ear and you try to tell them information. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise. But the information usually is very distorted by the time it goes around to the 10th or 12th person. Well, what was really funny to the kids is that Papa, Bob, had never played this game. And I'm like, how do you not know what this game is? Because he gets... He gets the word from like the sixth or seventh child whispered in his ear and he just blurts it out loud. And they're all yelling at him, don't do that. That's not how it's played. They're all like, you're breaking the rules, Papa. You're supposed to. So we had to start over and he's like, what, what? And then also the funnier thing, one of the funniest parts of the, of the, the week where we were there right before Thanksgiving is we went up my... It just so happens my daughter Julia lives near, uh, Julia and Chad and their kids live right near the, the cemetery where my parents are interred. And so we, the gates were open. It's this huge place in L.A. And I, uh, I was driving by, and, and Natalie was actually driving the rental car. And I said, oh, can we go in? She goes, she looks in the back seat. She goes, are you kidding? There's six kids in this car. And I'm like, oh, just for a minute, don't let them out. We'll just get up there, and we won't let them out. So then, of course, we, they want to get out. They've never been. They thought it was a golf course. And I'm like, no, no, this is not a golf course. They get out, and they all rush up. And they, I said, this is your, your great-grandparents are right here. And they, they're like sitting. And so then uh, we, <laughs> Clive, who is a character, Clive Veach, he says, hey, can I just have a few minutes alone and we're like, a five-year-old, oh my gosh, wants to have alone time with his great-grandparents. So we get back in the car. He's like, can you guys go and get in the car so I can have a few minutes alone with my great-grandparents? So he gets out, and he does this giant gang pose. Like, and then he starts rapping something, nothing to do with my parents. But it was like, dude, this is a holy moment. And Natalie and I are just rolling because then we realized... He just, you know, he just wanted to make it light. I don't know. He was just there in the moment. So cousins. Cousins, Mary and Elizabeth. The tale of two of them. And they both had a very supernatural experience. We're going to get into the supernatural here in the story. And um, everyone knows that Jesus was born in a... Where was he born, you guys? In a Bethlehem? In a... Manger in a very humble beginning. But did you know he had angels attend? And we sang that song, one of my favorites, even though, thank you, Ben, for pushing through. I, I love that song. That, 
that he did have angels declaring at his birth. He had a host, a group, a massive, how many thousands of angels sang at his birth. In that humble place, there was still the supernatural happening. So where did it all begin? Well, the story begins, and we're going to read it together. It starts with Elizabeth. So Mary's cousin is quite a bit older. She could have been 30 to 40 years older. And in this picture, I had another picture, but this one, it shows that uh, Elizabeth is greeting Mary. Mary's always in blue, by the way, another Catholic thing. But anyway, we don't know that. That's just, a, you know, one of those mythology parts. But uh, Elizabeth is pregnant, but she's greeting her cousin at the visit. But let's start back what happened in that before that um, visit uh, we can read from verse Luke. We're reading today from Luke, uh, Luke 1, the first chapter of Dr. Luke. And I'd love to read all the intro, but we won't have time. But he writes this, he says he writes this story in verse 2 from eyewitnesses and, and servants of the word. So he, it was handed to him, and he writes this account down. So we know it's accurate. It was handed down. Verse 7 it says that they, but they, meaning Elizabeth and her husband, Zechariah, were childless because Elizabeth, Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. So if you read along with me, we're going to start in uh, chapter 1 of Luke, verse 7, and we'll get through a few verses here. Let's, so reading through. So once... When Zechariah's division was on duty, that means his assignment, so they took turns ministering as priests. He was of a Levite. You know, the Levites were the ones that ministered at the temple. They did all the, the cleanup, the messy work, and the incense burning. And he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by Lot, verse 9, according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple and burn incense was his assignment this time. And when the time for burning came, all the assembled worshipers were praying. In verse 11, then an angel of the Lord appears to him, Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, remember, very old Elizabeth, too old to have children, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. And I'm going to skip that next part, but it goes on to verse 18. Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man. And my wife is well along in years. She was way beyond her childbearing years. So the miracle comes. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. And where Gabriel has been mentioned in the Bible way back in the Old Testament in the, in the book of Daniel. You can look that up. But he is now a key player in three, at least three. He might have been in the choir at the birth, I assume he would want to be there. But uh, he was in three visitations we're going to talk about. So I'm Gabriel, the angel said. I stand in the presence of God, verse 19, and I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent. And you remember the story. Zachariah, the husband, then was struck with inability to speak because 
you, because you did not believe the words of the Lord, my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Okay, so we're going to jump ahead. And when this, um, to 23, when his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. That's a kind of a Old Testament law thing, too. And the, lo- the Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. Supernatural. By an angel announcement. So two acts. The act of God to get her pregnant in old age with her husband, but also the angelic announcement. Okay, now we go to Mary, cousin Mary. So in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, in verse 26, God sent the angel Gabriel now to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was really troubled. She was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this could be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. Now, I don't know how many of us have received angelic visitations. I guess it's probably not too many. There used to be a book out in the 80s about, you know, angels on assignment and other things about people that visit, had angels visit. But it's a rare and it's a pretty supernatural, very, would you say, supernatural event. It would change your life if you had an angel visit. It would not only change your life, the message the angel came, because they don't just come to do nothing. They come with an assignment for you. But how many know that we do receive words from the Lord, and we should receive words from the Lord. Maybe not daily about like, what color outfit should I put on today? But we receive intimate information from God to us specifically, personally. And that's what I love about this church. That's what started us on the journey of this church was the supernatural word of the Lord to Bob and I. We were to start a church in Vancouver, And we did have confirmation from elders and pastors over us, but we received a word. We didn't see a physical angel, let's just say. If if any of you have seen an angel, I would love to hear about that. But anyway, it is a rare, special thing. So let's go on. At the, uh, I think I left off on verse 34. Super important to get this part because I want to talk about the virgin birth too. So verse 32, he will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary replies, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who is said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. So let's just 
Repeat that verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. Can you say it again with me? Verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. And when God speaks a word over your life, over my life, it doesn't matter how long it takes, but we know that it will not fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. And she has this beautiful, a little bit further down, she has this beautiful song she sings called the Magnificat. So I'll go back to some of those fancy words. But the Annunciation is the word announcement. The Catholic Church celebrates it with like a special mass day. But in, um, in the, the lingo of the, of the church, the Annunciation is the announcement. It just means announcement. And then the Magnificat is just a way to say that Jesus, that Mary was exalting God. And she, she says, my, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. And the, the song goes on and on. She, she had an incredible supernatural experience. Now, I wouldn't be saved today if it weren't for the supernatural. I grew up knowing God, knowing about God, and maybe some of you are in that camp. I would pray today that you would experience the supernatural presence of God through his Holy Spirit. And if you've never experienced the supernatural, I, that's, my, that's my hope, my prayer, my desire. And I believe that is God's desire today is that you would go out of here changed, believing. Um, we live in a culture that's super deconstructing all these things. Even the word virgin has been now come up for big giant debates. If you go on to websites and look about, you know, what is the virgin birth? There's three mentions here. It's not just the word people say, oh, it was just meant to be a young woman. There's no virgin involved. Well, it's pretty hard to explain away these four or five verses where Mary is saying, wait a minute. It wouldn't be so miraculous that a young woman gets pregnant, <laughs> but it would be a total supernatural miracle if the Holy Spirit caused her to be pregnant, which is what this part of the verse of Luke is standing on, in which really the virgin birth, and, and I I know that maybe you've never even thought about that, but it is probably more important than the resurrection as far as miracles because without that moment where God came to a physical woman through a Holy Spirit act, there would be none of the rest of the story, right? God had to come in the form of flesh to fulfill his mission to die and rise again. But if that hadn't happened, we wouldn't have, if this hadn't happened, the rest of the story wouldn't have happened. So it is a key pivotal part of our Christian faith to understand the faith or to understand the miracle that happened here. So in this moment, Mary then goes to visit Elizabeth and she decides, I'm going to go tell my cousin this incredible thing that happened to me. And by the way, when you have a miracle happen to you, you should go tell somebody that you know and trust. Because if not, then the enemy has this tendency to rob us of the, of the moments, even the still small voice when God speaks. I've had maybe the Lord speak to me 
Now, besides prophetic assemblies, which are awesome, they have changed our destiny, definitely, but God has spoken to me individually, privately, maybe a handful of times. And um, just to be transparent, one was when I was in a real crisis in my relationship with my husband, just dealing with things that I could not overcome, I couldn't get peace about, and I was in giant, and the Lord spoke to me one word, and it was a correction, a word that said, basically, it was like you're being a fool. You're throwing everything away, and your marriage is, is, is my doing, my design, and you would throw everything away if you were embittered about the, your situation. This has been years ago, but still, I hang on that word whenever I'm frustrated. <laughs> Come on, spouses, you know, once in a while, once in a rare moment, you might get frustrated with your spouse. But the thing is, the word of God, it attaches to us if we allow it, and it transforms us, and it steadies us when storms come. It causes us to stand on what God has said so that we don't get foolish. When God said to me, you're being a fool, I remember that word when I, when I get foolish. God also told me that we um, were going to be involved in starting a church here and that I thought I was not eligible to be a pastor of a church. This, I, mean, I had no idea what it would look like, but I thought, I don't, I don't think I have the personality or the pieces to do that that you are calling me to do. And God said, in a dream, he woke me up and he said, I have put upon you a mantle from Dick Iverson and you're gonna wear that mantle and you will be able to do supernaturally the things that you don't think you can do. It has nothing to do, the call of God on your life has nothing to do with your abilities so much as it has to do with God choosing you for the time and the place and the people that you interact with at work, at school, in the people that you connect with. Those are the supernatural experiences that God is enabling you to have. Okay, so back to Mary. Um, she is getting ready. She hurries to town. She goes to Judea where she sees, uh, and she lives pretty close to her cousin. So I assume she walked all that way. And she, when she hears, I'm in verse 41, when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, John the Baptist now, leaps, it, it, it moves, it stirs. I don't know how much a baby can jump up and down in your womb, but um, pregnant, pregnancy, I remember, it wasn't that long ago, but it feels like, you know, just yesterday when you feel those turning and turning, but this was unique. This was a different kind of thing, a leaping. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she prophesied in a loud voice, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leap, leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And then I already told you that the Mary verses uh, come after that, her long song of praise and thankfulness and humility, by the way. I just want to emphasize that. Her receiving this word brought 
her humble. So quickly, I'm almost done, I promise, Pete. The, um, the, slide, the, um, the next part is I want to go through the five evidences of the supernatural. And some of this will be reviewed from what I've said. But the virgin birth is, again, the word immaculate conception in the Catholic Church means that she never had she never had intercourse with any with Joseph ever, and then that she never sinned. So we know that she had other children. There clearly in the scriptures there was at least three or four brothers of Jesus, and then some sisters that are mentioned in the um, in the Gospels. But if you um, just consider that again, as I said, it is a birth that was unique angelically prophesied, angelically proclaimed. And then in Isaiah, we we know in Isaiah 7, 14, it says, behold, this is an Old Testament scripture, behold, the Lord himself will give you a sign, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and she shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So that concept of virgin bearing a son and you can read the rest of that in Isaiah 7. But um, the second thing besides the virgin birth is the angel Gabriel. I mentioned the visitation to Elizabeth, Mary, and also to Joseph in a dream. So Joseph's story is, is in a different gospel. But in, um, in Joseph's story, Matthew 12, 20 and 21, the, um, the angels came to him and told the, or well, maybe it wasn't Gabriel, but I'm inferring it was Gabriel, so who knows for sure. But he received a prophetic dream that his wife would have a, uh, would be pregnant. And it wouldn't be from him, it would be through the Holy Spirit. So don't stress out, go ahead and get married to her, I'll take care of everything. <laughs> Sometimes we need prophetic dreams in, the, in times where things seem really crazy. And this would have been Joseph's craziest life part right here. And, oh, and Zachariah. Zachariah received also a, vi a visit from Gabriel. And you know that's, I already told you that story. So the second, um, so the first, second, and third is Elizabeth's pregnancy because of her age. We mentioned that. And then the fourth are some prophetic manifestations that were that came about through all this scripture that we just read that Elizabeth's um, prophesying over Mary and then Mary's Magnificat or her, her declaration of receiving and saying, yes, I'll do it. And Zechariah getting struck without being able to speak until such time as he named and, and they dedicated Joseph, their son. And then there were two others that received a prophetic word about this, just to declare, that again, the supernatural birth of Jesus. One was Anna and one was Simon. And those are found also in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 34 uh, and 38. Anna, Anna receives, who is an older woman in the temple, really given to study of her and saying, I'll just paraphrase, but she said, in my life, I want to see the Messiah. Remember, the Jews were waiting for the hope. And she then sees this baby that they brought to de dedicate Jesus now, and she prophesies over him. that, Or she prophesies, I have now seen him, who I, was, I have waited for. And then Simon, similar story. He has been waiting for the hope 
of Israel, and he gets to see the fulfillment in this baby Jesus now. So the last one I threw in, the fifth miraculous manifestation, because I'm a science geek, right, is the star in the east. Now, this is a really out there story that I can't, I'd love to go down this tributary, but I have to finish. But um, just study Matthew 2, 1 and 2, those wise men who were, by the way, not, we don't know if they were kings, we don't know how many there were, but they show up because they've been studying astronomy. So, you know, kids that hate their science teachers, you know, I, I, you never know. You never know what science, where science can take you. So these guys were studying astronomy, and they found out a star was coming. Maybe they were pro- perhaps one of those really bright supernovas. Maybe it was a star that covers a planet, but it was bright. It was bright enough, and it was predicted, and they were watching it happen, and in real time, they showed up for the birth of Jesus because of a star that they were studying. So that's kind of cool. Anyway, just you can read about that some more. But in the, uh, just to wrap this, I want to quote from Josh McDowell, because I thought he does a huge discourse on the virgin birth. And I'll just this one quote. If Jesus was not born of a virgin, we must dismiss the Bible as being unreliable and without the miraculous intervention of God in the process. We lose the very nature of Jesus' divinity. And that he's a great author who wrote Evidence That Demands a Verdict, a book I really recommend everyone should read. Um, the supernatural does not come from anyone but God. In fact, the, the, our supernatural, the things that we can participate in the supernatural, whatever that, whatever, and we'll get just a quick list of this, but it's not who, or it's not how special we are or our own holiness. The supernatural, I think I have a slide for that, is found in God. I, I rewrote this, sorry, Matt. But the supernatural is found in God, not humans or humanity We are only the vessels that God pours that supernatural into, that God uses to do his mighty acts. It is not our specialness or our holiness that makes us worthy to be the vessels of the supernatural. And what is that supernatural? Um, Probably no virgin births anymore, but... You never know. No. Acts 3, 12. It's a, I want to just clear this up because this was dealt with in the early church. And, and Peter is talking to the people after he's performed miracles. He clears this up. He says, people of Israel, why stare at this lame man that just got healed? But it's not by our holiness, Peter's saying, or our goodness, or your goodness, or your holiness, in case you were wondering, okay, was this man made whole today, but is the gift of the Holy Spirit in us? So, you know, all over the world, there's religions, people that participate in the supernatural, you know, because super, I was going to read the definition, but supernatural means that it's not nature, it's not normal, in, and there are supernatural demonic beings, angelic beings, and there's God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Trinity, but all over the world, there's religions. Religions, none of them, none of them will admit that Jesus was God. They will say, oh, yeah, he was real. He was a teacher, a prophet. But none of them, including some groups that call themselves Christian, watch out, will declare the deity 
the supernatural virgin birth, very important, of Jesus. So you got to watch out for that because we live in a day and age where people want to be spiritual. They want to disclaim everything, but they want to have a spirituality. But unless we embrace the supernatural birth of Jesus and that he is divine, we miss it all. So uh, just what's that next slide? Next slide. <laughs> Question to consider. How will Jesus use you now to bring a miracle? And this is what I want to close with. To bring a miracle to someone during this season. I think the Christmas season is a perfect time to tell people the story of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. Why not? To tell someone that he was born miraculously with angels showing up. I mean, the shepherds in the field were kind of blown down. Like they were so in, they were so afraid when they saw these angels. The whole experience was human, messy, but also intensely, intensely spiritual if, and, and supernatural. So what kind of things can you do? Let's just think about that for a minute. You might say, well, you know, I have nothing to give. There's a song like that. <laughs> but you do. You can pray for people for miracles. You can, uh, by the way, praying over people is miraculous because you change the very environment and the very attack of the enemy. You can give gifts. You can give word. You can give encouragement. Maybe telling someone the Christmas story, as I said, is the miracle they're going to hear about and it's going to touch and change their life. I want to pray as I close, but... Um, the last slide. Is there another slide? I think there is. <laughs> no? Okay. Well, we want to just, applying all the things, but I want to say that our, as Christians, we stand in a, in a place of humility. We, like Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord, but I'm a humble servant. I'm a humble servant. You're a humble servant. And God, yet God, uses us. Yet God will use you. So, Let's pray. I think Pete's going to help wrap it up here. But I want to say, in your life, look for the supernatural. Wait on it. I remember going to, we had a prophetic assembly here, and I was so high on just the Holy Spirit giving us words for people that I went to teach, which I normally do, go to teach. I was up at Columbia River High School, and I saw three kids, and I had a word for each one of them. And I just started talking to them. And then I caught myself like, oh my gosh, I'm not in church. Oh, there's no, there's no, there's no like worship set moving the thing along. No, it was the Holy Spirit was speaking to me about them. And it was crazy because I'd never met them before. And I spoke to each one of them a different thing. And they were all like, now, by the way, that's, that's biblical to go into the marketplace and speak to people about what God sees in them. Amen. So go for it. Go for it. Don't be afraid. Be not afraid. That's what Gabriel said. Don't fear not. Because the thing the Lord is going to do in you is going to be of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Come on. If the praise team will come up. Sue put up the the thing about the supernatural, and it said the supernatural is found in God, not humans or humanity. 
We are only vessels, which is such an important thing for you and I to remember. One, to remember where does our power come from? So there's part of it where our ego doesn't get too involved. But also it's important to remember that even when we feel weak, that that's all we are is the vessel. And so we don't have to then discredit ourselves. So it keeps us in check and balanced. We are only vessels that God uses to do his mighty acts. It is not our specialness or our holiness that makes us worthy. And, um, you know, here we have our vision. It's living our identity and purpose in Christ. And that, that really ties in with the supernatural because our identity is knowing who we are, is knowing who does God say we are and knowing what is our role in it. And it's not our, it's not our specialness or our holiness. We're his vessels and he wants to use us. I love Sue's example of how God came to her supernaturally in her marriage and basically said, I want you to act a way that you don't feel like acting. I want you to have a mindset that you don't want to have. Supernatural comes and imparts there. Then when, when given and how, I mean, this makes it come to life, just even what Mary encountered was even in giving Bob and Sue a vision to lead. Man, I bet we could all go around and have an example of where God asked us to do something and we didn't feel adequate. And there was a voice saying, you're gonna fail at it. Don't do it. You're gonna mess up. You're not as good as that other person that you've seen do it. You don't have what it takes. But God is saying, just like in this, it's not our specialness, it's not our holiness, we're his vessels. And he has a purpose for you and I. A purpose, but he just needs us to surrender and to allow him to come and work through us supernaturally to do what he wants to do. If the ushers would come up and begin to prepare the elements. You know, we have our, our purposes to walk with Jesus, to, to be with God, to walk with Jesus, to love others, and go with Holy Spirit. What we're talking about today, supernatural, ties in with go with Holy Spirit. How do we do that? We go with Holy Spirit in power, so it's his power, it's not our power. Fill in the water. And on mission by sharing the gospel, like Sue said, in, in, the, in the workplace, or then the question to consider that she had for each one of us is how will Jesus use you, say me, how will Jesus use each one of us? I wanna say this week, not down the road, not when you feel ready, not after you go through January and you do some fasting and prayer, not after you finally read the Bible through in 365 days, not once you finally complete the diet that you want to go on and you finally look the way you want to do to where you can walk around with your head held high. This week, in, in all of our mess, in all of our insecurities, in all of our lack, how will Jesus use us to bring a miracle to someone because sometimes it's as simple as just uh, great to see you. Sometimes it's noticing someone maybe that you don't even know and just saying, I'm sorry, uh, I'm a Christian. I believe in Jesus and I believe he's alive and I believe he's still calling each one of us and letting us know that he sees us. And uh, do you mind if I pray for you? I just felt like God asked me to pray for you. It could be something really simple. It could be something a little more profound. 
but he's calling each one of us to go in his power on mission by sharing the gospel, making disciples and planting churches globally. I know that sounds really big, but the fact is when you and I step out of our comfort zone and allow the supernatural to work through us, that's what it does. You don't know who you're ministering to. When the supernatural came to Sue, given her confidence that she has what it takes to plant a church. At that moment, she had no idea that 26 years later, this is us. That all the lives that would be impacted. So it can seem like one small step for mankind, (laughs) but one giant leap for the kingdom of God. Come on. So we step out in the supernatural and we believe. If you'll stand to your feet, what we're going to do is we're purposely doing communion at the end of the gathering uh, this month. And the reason for it is that we hear how did Jesus come and how did God work through it. And then we realize that we're being called to something very, very similar to step out and walk in something similar. Jesus came supernaturally. God is calling you and I to live supernaturally. Jesus operated supernaturally. God is calling each one of us to operate supernaturally. But you and I can't do it on our own. No matter how amazing we think we are, or no matter how worthless we think we are, it is by the death the burial, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we are capable of it. So we come together for communion, which are the elements of a cracker and juice representing the broken body of Jesus, the shed blood of Jesus, that it's through that life that you and I, regardless of what we see when we look in the mirror, regardless of what we confess over ourselves, it's through his power, his life that you and I are able, are capable of stepping out in the supernatural. And it's only by that, it's only by this, what this represents, that we can, as, as Natalia gave us the exhortation in the word, to push off the lies, to push off those things that we did and accept Christ's forgiveness. So as we go into the song, I'm gonna invite you to come up. The ushers are gonna release you row by row. Grab the cracker, you grab the juice. You're gonna exit out on your right hand side. You're gonna wrap around back onto your left and hold on to it as we continue to sing because then we're gonna take it together. And then I'm gonna read a scripture, a blessing over you, and we're gonna go. But we're gonna go in faith. We're gonna go believing who God says we are, identity, and believing our purpose that He wants to work through us. And it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that you and I can step out supernaturally.